This episode brought to you by Iron Galaxy. Video Ball. Is a piece of electronic entertainment. Video Ball. Is a sport you can play. Video Ball. Is a sport everyone can play. Go play! Video Ball. More info at videoball.net. Tonight, on a very special Bullstone. 2016 has been a difficult year, socially, musically, economically, racially, tectonically, meteorologically, and of course economically. All of which points to a record-breaking year for America's hard-working liquor stores. Happy holidays, liquor! The ants go marching one by none? Evidence mounts that ant farms could actually be ant convents. With Black Friday behind us, a nation wonders what is the it gift for 2016 that they'll be unable to get their demanding children. Patty cake, patty cake, baker's G-man? We'll tell you why you might not want to say too much next time you visit your bakery. All these gland-handing stories and more tonight on Bullstone. Trust you are filled to the limits with turkey or tofurkey or just K- you just full turkey. K- you're K- either you either full of you're just fed up with food or just plain fed up. I'm Dave Stecco. I'm David Flora. All of the above, Dave. Yes, yes. Well, welcome to your uh, acoustic purging. <laughs> this episode for our Bustow. for our American listeners. That's right. For those keen on regurgitation, uh, how are you guys doing? Happy holidays. I hope you had an excellent Thanksgiving. I know I did. I blew some shit up. I saw videos on, on, your, <laughs> on, on, your, on your facing book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my brothers in law, I had a, that, that tablet that you keep asking me if I'd gotten replaced. Oh, yeah. I thought that's what that was. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we set I thought you got a, that thing replaced. Uh, <laughs> I did, and then we set off a half pound of high explosive underneath it, and uh, shot it with a rifle, and glorious, just pieces everywhere. Hmm. It was amazing. Well, those things were made to do that. So, well, I here's the thing. I mean, it went up, and I don't know if the battery just went up with it. I thought there'd be little smoldering bits of lithium everywhere, but no, it just. And it was great. There's two metal plates, and you could see the dome, like the blast force, hmm. going up into it. It was great. Nice. That's nice. the best way to. That's the best way to celebrate a, a Thanksgiving. You you celebrated a week before, though. I did. I did. Uh, owing to uh, my lady's medical schedule. And for our time dilation, I have yet to celebrate. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, actually, Kim's family is having another Thanksgiving for the rest of their family that I was also invited to. I, I, I think one Thanksgiving's enough. I don't think I'll be traveling back for a second round. 
Oh. I'll have to wash myself with a rag on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh-oh
and the ammonia is the thing wherein to catch the conscience of the climate. Once it enters the atmosphere, it can react with other gases, specifically sulfuric acid and water vapor, and it creates atmospheric particles or bird poop chemtrails. Now, the the particles are are really really small, like a nanometer. They're just su- they're super small, and uh, as they grow larger, I guess they might collect around each other or something, but. If they get up to maybe 50 to 80 nanometers, they can act as seeds for cloud droplet formation. And so then they affect existing clouds to uh, get bigger. And then that the, the clouds grow to uh, have more of a reflective effect from the sun's rays. Now, you look like you have a question. I have a lot of questions. Uh, like, I understand the ammonia component of it, but like all urine has ammonia in it. Is the, is it more concentrated in birds? Is that the deal? Well, they're they're saying that it's a gaseous nitrogen compound, which which means yes, it is more concentrated because they have a very nitrogen rich diet, uh-huh. and so I think it's more concentrated when um when they get this uric acid passed through, and so it's more likely to form these uh, nanoparticles, and especially like if you've got a flock of them out there and you've probably been around this Dave it, it just if you're on a coast and there are any gulls in any capacity that are hanging around or that's where they roost or whatever it smells like death like ammonia death right that's a that's a lot of uh, of poop just you know there on the rock collecting getting hit with water uh having microbes so that that beautiful vaporized. beach sunset is is just just the sun filtering through a haze of, of bird poop of clouds. Sh- yeah. yeah. Sh- clouds. Sh- clouds. So this is what's going on in the Arctic, uh, for one thing, which helps that region be cool. But there is a, a, a little bit of a, um, actually, to this. Number one, the clouds also trap what's coming from below them. So they'll reflect the heat that's already coming off the Earth, which has a warming effect. Right, which is that's your that's your bog standard greenhouse effect. Exactly. Yep. And the other thing is there isn't quite enough poop to go around. Have any? Oh. Yeah. It, well, to have any kind of like big effect on climate change in general, it's just a very localized and and kind of an insignificant thing, but it it exists. So. I just thought it was interesting. I feel like I feel like you just cut your own legs off at the end there. <laughs> well, I mean, they do that in the article. They they literally are like, yeah, well, that's it, all. This is great, but it's not that big a deal. <laughs> Betty Croft, who is a research associate in the Department of Physics and Atmospheric Science at Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia, said, "There's a lot of work that needs to be done to understand the details before we can really understand what would be the overall effect." of the poop in the climate system. But from what they've seen, the effect is that it, it's a minor cooling effect. It's, it's a minor cooling, but also has the chance to, to warm, you know, if, if it's warm underneath, it's, it's a little bit of a wash, but I thought it was uh, uh, interesting just in the thought that you don't think of poop evaporated into clouds or to help seed clouds. I mean, to me, the the way I do it. Yes, I do imagine it as clouds. You imagine it as pesticide. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, I, I thought it was funny because it's kind of like little little bird chemtrails up there, huh? dumbing us down, keeping us <laughs> hot and or cold, keeping so. us keeping us sedate and placid. Yeah, what uh, do you think? I dig it. I like I like bird poop clouds, clouds of bird poop. How about a uh, a U boat wreck was located? It was a submarine from World War One. Uh, it was in 1918 that sunk as a result of monster attack. Oh, nice. Yeah, right? The uh, Some engineers who were laying power cables found it off the coast of Scotland, and the commander, Gunter Kreck. According the to commander story, of the U-boat? Yeah. yeah the I'm U-boat's, guessing that's not a Scottish engineer. <laughs> no, 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 no. The commander described the encounter with the crew uh, he was captured aboard the H. I think it was the the British ship HMS Coriopsis. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Craig said that a U boat could not dive because of damage caused by a quote strange beast that jumped out of the water. Uh, this is his exact quote: "The monster had horns, small, deep set eyes, glinting teeth, and was so heavy that when it scrambled up the side of the U boat, the whole vessel listed sideways. It then viciously attacked the forward gun, chomping lumps out of it." Damn. Yeah. The damage forced the entire crew to surrender to the British patrol, uh, and the men were uh, taken off, and the submarine was uh, scuttled. Historically, you know, like their little twist in this in this particular story that the, the U-boat itself was the monster preying on shipping lanes, uh, that the submarine was attacking uh, ships, uh, you know, as they, as they went through mercantile channels that the submarine was caught on the surface at night while it was recharging its batteries. It saw a patrol ship coming and attempted to do an emergency dive. Uh, the problem is once it got underwater, it started to flood. And so they had to blow all the compressed air they had just to expel the, uh, the, the water and uh, bring, back up, bring it back up to the surface. And all they could do at that point was surrender. But they, uh, yeah, so according to this. <laughs> That's fucking lame. Right. Uh, well, that's that's the, the the thing is that's the historical account of what happened, which you know it's a lot more locked down. It kind of makes it's a much more boring story. All yeah. I'm saying is this is some uh, you know some Harvard egghead's opinion of what happened, but I've got Captain Crick <laughs> saying, "Oh my God, Captain Crick!" <laughs> yeah, Captain Gunter Crick says, "No, no, no." A horned monster, and it was taking All bites right. out of the deck gun. So, so if they found it, yeah. And according according to this sonar picture, it looks like the deck gun is still there and largely intact. Oh, shit. so uh, he he's lying. Well, no, I mean, like, I mean, it, when I say sonar, I mean it's like a false color. It's not a photo by any means. You just oh, see it's not that, a. F- no, you I just see. see that it's there. It's it's a. So now they can go down there and take photos and see whether or not there are chunks taken out of this sucker. Yeah, so... It looks like it's in pretty good shape. Yeah, and uh, they also said that the, the at the time, in the early 20th century, it was considered just common knowledge that there were sea monsters in those waters and that... Hmm. Uh, that you know, they were they would joke about, swim at well, your own risk. Well, they would joke. They're like, well, you know, we, we hope that uh, we hope that they're on our side and hate Fritz as much as we do. Ha 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 ha. You know, like that it was, but it was not like a, some wild notion that a sea monster would f up a ship. 
Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, what do you do if you're in wartime and then you get attacked by monsters? And there's there's a fair number of movies that cover this. You're usually science fictiony space things, but I mean, because war is not bad enough. Now there's a now there's a sea monster. Right. Well, okay. So Kirk's Kirk's Kirk. What's his name? Kirk. K R E C K R E C H. His account of it. Are they taking that from 1918 or is it um, later on or, or when did he give his account of the monster and who, and to whom did he give it? Uh, it says that he described the encounter after the crew was rescued and aboard the British ship uh, Coriopsis. So, so he told the British guys that. Nigh immediately. Let's say, you know, yeah, okay. at the worst, you know, how, how long would he be on the ship before they asked him what happened? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of that story. Now it's time for a Discovery Channel uh, show about going to explore it. Right? Which you and I should do. <laughs> yeah, which we should be paid to do. Uh, all right, I got one here for you. This is um, uh, this is pretty interesting. I'll be, I'll, hey, I'll be the judge of that. I'll let you, I'll let you yeah, decide. Yeah, don't tell me how interesting. Uh, <laughs> this is coming from... <laughs> Uh, live science as well. Whoa, whoa, Some... whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> God. That's the world's worst character. Uh, some people can see calendars, and it could explain how our brain processes time. Hmm. Now, this is saying that around 1% of the population has what's known as calendar synesthesia, which means they're able to visualize in crisp detail, Dave, an elaborate calendar of the months of the year. I don't have that because I f*** my calendar up all the time. Uh, for example, it says one woman sees the months ahead in a symmetrical V in front of her. Another sees the calendar shaped like a hula hoop with December always passing through her body no matter what month of the year it is. Huh. Now, people, uh, uh, the researchers, I guess, have, have gone in and started doing some experiments for it. I'm, I'm guessing some brain scans and things. And um, it's a team from the University of uh, California, San Diego, writing in the journal NeuroCase, also a movie by uh, Keanu Reeves coming out soon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this sounds like it. Synesthesia, uh, if, if you don't know, is a, a pretty uh, broad neurological phenomenon where stimulation of one sensory or neurological pathway automatically stimulates a second sensory pathway. Dave, give us some examples. I think the, I think the most common one is that uh, people will associate sounds with colors. When they uh-huh. hear certain things, they will, they will see colors in their mind. And I, think, I think we've discussed that before. I feel like, I feel like oh, we have, yeah. we've stumbled over. But I, 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 to my knowledge, that's the only one that I've ever heard of, but I, there's no reason on earth there wouldn't be more. Oh, there's tons. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's. I'm just saying. Like in my experience, I've just heard of the the color, uh, yeah, you know, color sound uh, one. Yeah, they've they've uh, I think had documentaries about it. There, it's very fascinating. I I kind of feel like it's a superpower. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. And people can taste words, and they also see letters as colors. Hmm. Apparently, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of the other because it, it's it's always. Two senses kind of tied together, but it's, like you said, sound correlates with uh, colors for some people. Like somebody was like, 
oh, that's a C sharp, which is blue, kind of like a a, a light blue color. Now you're playing a C that's that's more of a, a darker blue, like you know. And it's to me, it's cool. They might live in a world of of pain and, and suffering. I don't know, but <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I feel like that. I feel like you're right. I think it is kind of a superpower. I think that it helps people uh, who work in those fields, like uh, to incorporate. Um, I, I I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like synesthetics uh, do gain a lot of benefit from that. Like they are they are more in touch with those, those you know. However, that is affecting yeah. them. And I, I will say that the, the it, this is not synesthesia, but perfect pitch is the ability to hear when a, a sound is not like it, it, imagine it as you're trying to tune an instrument or just if you're even playing a, a note and if it's out of tune even a little bit it's like nails on a chalkboard to you you're yeah. and, and, and this is this is how it's been described and so in a way it's a superpower because you you know the the uh the exact tuning or you can hear the pitch or or whatever you know but it's also like a huge hindrance because everyday things will just fray your nerves right on the one hand as a uh going through my schooling um in music i i was like man i could really use some of that stuff right now but (laughs) i could use some of that perfect pitch but you know at the same time i think it's it's probably a bit of a curse to live with. But anyway, well, I, I I feel like um, anyone who's listened to the podcast or any of our musical intros are, are, are pretty well aware that neither of us are cursed oh with perfect pitch. <laughs> yeah, nor nor are we cursed with beautiful voices. <laughs> no. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> so they're trying to figure out if uh, if this is. Just, just somebody picturing calendars like you you would think of a calendar if you just picture it in front of you, or if they're actually visually seeing. Yeah, I mean, you could you could test for that. I was wondering that myself. I mean, I don't know if that you'd have to do some pretty involved tests to determine if that's genuine synesthesia or just um, a person having uh, t- to them strong very, imagination. Well, not a not even a strong imagination, just a very tangible mental representation of a calendar that is so strong that it allows them to 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 visualize their their the year better you know um yeah and and i i imagine a person could be trained to have that hmm. you know so well but i so i, I don't i i'd be interested to see if that you know because I, I guess what would you do just like uh uh brain scans while they are thinking about the the calendar to see which parts of the brain are active and to see if that if that qualifies as genuine synesthesia. Yeah, the, if you know what you're looking for, I guess. What they did, here's a couple of things that they've done. So the young lady that sees the V-shape uh-huh. calendar in front of her, uh, they asked her to draw the ca- the V-shaped calendar on a screen using a laser pointer several times over the course of a month. And it says every time she drew it, the angles and lengths of the V were exactly the same. And uh, just like a real-life object, the V that she was seeing expanded and contracted depending on how far she was standing from the screen. And then they, uh, they asked this, uh, this lady and eight non-synesthetes, people, so people who didn't have this ability, 
to list the months of the year backwards. And each time, they'd ask them to skip one or two months to make it more challenging. And the idea was if she could really see this perfect calendar, she'd be able to complete the test quicker than the control group. Right. So what happened was she would recite every third month backwards, taking just 1.88 seconds per month, while the control group took it at 4.48 seconds. So she was markedly faster than them. Hmm. And they said, quote, during the task, we noticed that she appeared to be inspecting her calendar and she would involuntarily move her finger from month to month and shift her gaze. And then they tried to f*** with her. They had her stare at a contracting spiral for 20 seconds before either looking at darkness, a static image, or to visualize the calendar. And the, the reason for this is it's an optical illusion that results in any objects you look at afterwards, but not blank spaces, uh, appearing to expand. So they were trying to get it to expand and see if that messed her up or anything. And it says when she performed the task, nothing happened to the darkness and the static image expanded as expected, but so did her image of the calendar. So this didn't happen when she pictured something else neutral, such as an apple. I don't really follow that part, but it sounds like it is more evidence saying that she was seeing it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, I, I don't know, it, that's, that's, a, that's a weird, I mean, it almost kind of weirdly gets to, like, to a philosophical area. Yeah, it says, in other words, the calendar she sees is distinct and more real than a simple mental image, I guess is what that was for. Yeah, because the, the other thing that I was thinking is um, in, in classic uh, synesthesia, there is um, a single input is generating two responses. Mm-hmm. A sound is generating the acoustic recognition, but also uh, a visual recognition of it. You know, a flavor is... And- you know, is, is right. just doing two things. This is not that. You're right. There's no, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I would, I, I, that, that's a tough question because I, I, I wonder, it's no less impressive or amazing, but I don't know if it's necessarily synesthesia or, you know, there are people who are savants uh, who are with calendars and they could tell you, you could say uh, April 13th, 1218, and they'd be like, Thursday. Tuesday, yeah, yeah, they, you know, they know, they just can put that together. Are they visualizing something? Are they just doing complex math, or you know, like there's a that that's a that's a tough question to answer. And I, but also, how is it synesthesia if there's not another sense at play? Yeah, yeah. What is the yeah. second sense? It's it's really just a a very strong mental image, which 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 I guess I, I guess they're testing for versus they're saying that the way the person is seeing this calendar, they are processing it the same way they would visually see any other object. It has, you know, it it changes with perspective shifts and things like that. So it's different than a conceptual picture in one's mind that you use just to, to make a concept easier. But I know that there also, there are mnemonic or memory techniques that involve using spatial orientation i had a, a french teacher growing up and she she would r- literally with her finger write notes uh in the upper right hand corner of her field of vision and she was like i took a class or you know somebody said that's how to remember things and i remember everything that i write up there huh. and so i i wonder i don't know is that is it somewhat related to that i know that there are memory techniques that use spatial orientation 
to kind of lock things in. Yeah, it it sounds like it is uh, on its own in this regard, in in its own class of just like it's just there for them. Yeah, you know what I mean. It just it's like they static. they pull it up like yeah. It says this idea is backed up by the fact that brain scans have shown connections between areas of the brain involved in processing numbers and those involved with mapping the world around us. For example, blind people can repurpose their visual cortices to make mathematical calculations. And if that's the case, perhaps synesthetes simply have more connections bridging these areas in their brains than the rest of us, which to me is also a superpower. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what they that's what they're working on published in Nero case. Hmm. Uh pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty badass. I got one here. Good. Uh, yeah, right? Canadian military investig- investigates mysterious pings and sounds from the Arctic seafloor. Oh, yes. Uh, so loud that people in boats could hear them. So loud that people in boats were like, shut the f*** up. Yeah. Trying to fish. Well, they're, they're Canadian. They're sorry. So they were, they were, <laughs> they're sorry. They, they literally heard them with their, their human ears? Yes. They heard pings. Pings, hums, and beeps. Uh, <laughs> the beeps, the sweeps, and the creeps. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. I was really wondering if you were going to do the full Michael Wilson. You've got two more. <laughs> you got two more sounds to go, Flora. You've started. <laughs> now finish it. The sweeps <laughs> and the creeps. I feel like I just locked you in a closet with a carton of cigarettes. Oh, oh, you like Michael Wilson, do you? Is that what you, Michael Winslow, that's his name. Michael Winslow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's too bad. All I've got is this 50 caliber machine gun. (laughs) 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 I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. I'm right here. You don't need to use that intercom. I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. Oh God! Okay, sorry, sorry. So I don't people, know. People I feel like it, you got a few more. <laughs> don't don't, don't rush it, Flora. <laughs> Think about all of the police academies. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> he he is like one of the um, tools on the old utility belt that that formed my uh, comedy persona. <laughs> Uh, All right, so so there's there's pings and and bleeps that are happening, and people hear them. Yep, they are happening in an in an area. The uh, they've been they've been hearing these sounds throughout the summer, uh, in the uh, Fury and Helka Strait, which is according to this article, seventy five miles northwest of the hamlet of Igluklik. Nice. Yeah. Right. A government official from the region said the noise was emanating from the seafloor. And uh, and that it happened to be in a major hunting area, which is why people were running across it. A lot of people reported this summer that very few animals appeared uh, during the hunting season. So some people think there might be a link that the, the sound is actually scaring things off. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of indigenous hunters in that area. I mean, it is. And this is north. Shit. Are, are you having none of it? <laughs> I guess see where you're going there. I like that. Is it close to the uh, Arctic Circle? Well north, well north of it. Uh, so it's near the ice cap. Uh, hold on, what's that? I think it's one though. Hold on, I'm, I'm pulling up the. Yeah, it is. I was right. It is well north of the uh, of the Arctic Circle. 
one might go so far as to say, hella north, son. <laughs> There's not much real estate to go that far north. Of- <laughs> right. It sort of is north there. <laughs> yeah, it's all north. <laughs> so there was uh, some reports from boaters who were uh, piloting a private yacht through the area. Apparently, if you're into yachts, go up there. Mm, what do you want to do this weekend? I'm so bored. Oh, let's go to Igluklik. <laughs> oh, Igluklik. Haven't been there for ages. Let's take Remy 3. <laughs> <laughs> he sees so little action. Good God. <laughs> He's about... I was going to put him in dry dock. It's a splendid idea. <laughs> Um, anyway, sorry, sorry. Yak and yacht. Yeah. Um, yacht, yacht, yakin. Yacht, yakin. One of the theories is that the Baffinland Iron Mines Corporation, <laughs> which previously, which had done sonar surveys in that area, might be once again determining if they want to uh, uh, investigate that area for mineral resources again, but aren't telling anybody. <laughs> Another theory is that the sounds are being produced by... Um, uh, some other mining operation or other construction, but the officials of none of it have uh, have issued no permits for anything that would obviously generate sounds of that magnitude. Uh, one of the weirder theories is that it is a Greenpeace operation, and they are deliberately making sounds to scare wildlife away from the hunting ground, which... It's like, oh, hunting's bad, Ugh. so we completely disrupted all of the animals. Right. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that would be in the best interest of the animals long term there. But regardless of what it is, the Canadian Armed Forces are taking the appropriate steps to actively investigate the situation. All right. Yeah. We, so. we sent a guy out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going yeah. to come back and tell us what, what's what. He's out in a boat right now, but he'll, uh, he'll figure it out. Got to have a pretty good boat. Yeah, so uh, we might have we might get to do a good uh, a good follow up to our uh, mysterious aquatic sounds episode, the Canadian. Edition. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's gonna be something lame, like mining operations or somebody doing something and just kind of keeping it on the DL because they don't want to lose money on something. You know, uh, because at first I'm like, well, that's that's sea ice breaking up. <laughs> that that was the first thing I thought of too, but owing to um, what absolutely is not man-made, uh, but the the Earth's natural inclination to to raise its temperature all by itself with no help except for maybe from the Bible, there was no sea ice. No, nowhere nearby. Nope. No. Look I at, mean, look at this. Uh, look at this satellite photo of the area. Oh, it's just land everywhere. So it's in that strait. It's like a strait. Yeah. Okay. So the um, we'll, and we'll link to this. Yeah, we'll we'll li- link to this. But there's plenty of land there, um, in it, and it's kind of like just a little strait between two big chunks of land. And I w- I would say not near the ice cap, <laughs> not these days. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, it's it's probably going to be mining stuff. Yeah, never know. Just like it because it's weird. Nobody knows. Yeah, that is uh, that is cool. I mean, real life mystery. Yeah. Flora, what do you got? I uh, got a short one here. Somebody claims to have found a lump of alien UFO metal near Roswell. Sweet. 
Yeah, somebody has found a little bit of metal in the desert near Roswell, and the guy that found it is saying it might be special UFO space metal. You know, metal from space. You know, unlike the metal that's from Earth, which has never been in space. Some of that atomic metal. Ben Mesrick wrote a book about UFO hunter Chuck Zukowski, who found uh, this fragment, and uh, Mesrick says that they're testing this lump now. I don't know who they trust to test this. I uh, hope they have a friend right. who's not, you know, like in a in a very mustard-stained lab coat or something. He says this guy, uh, Zukowski, quote, swept me up from the airport, gave me a bulletproof vest and a gun, and said, let's go U- investigate <laughs> UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> Flora, that's how I'm picking you up from the airport someday. <laughs> I would be, I would be ecstatic. Now, Nigel Will, uh, Nigel Watson, who is author of the UFO Investigations Manual, said there is very little evidence to support the idea that a flying saucer crashed near Roswell in 1947, and the same applies to other flying saucer crash incidents. Well, I mean, we had the uh, the the great debate at the uh, Milwaukee Paracon this year, and by by mm-hmm. every everyone who went to it that I talked to, which is like four or five people. Uh, all, all felt pretty solidly that nothing had happened. That the that the the result of the great debate was that nothing had happened at, at Roswell, but they all had nosebleeds and a sort of a distant, dazed look in their eye. Yeah, I noticed that too. I, I <laughs> was gonna offer them some uh, air airborne. <laughs> is that, is that head, what it is? Head on. Anyway, so I will see if I can keep up on this story and see if they find out anything in the near future. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I feel like, here's my guess, how this is going to end, that the tests will either be inconclusive or proven to be something really mundane, but then the guy will be like, wait a minute, that's not the medal I gave them. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was saying, who does he trust to give that to, to even check? Right? <laughs> yeah, on whether or not it's it's space metal, my guess is... It's not. So, Dave, what do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping it up? Probably not. What uh, What do you have? What, oh, man. Well, I, you know what? You're, you've, you've forced my hand. I actually am doing a, uh, a change up here. You're going to be pitching about 80 miles per hour. Right. As opposed to 90. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in like three of your runners and make this whole thing go into extra innings. Uh, no. Oh, my gosh. The, uh, the Curiosity Rover found a very weird meteorite on Mars that looks like just kind of like a a wad of clay-colored metal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't even really read this because, like I said, I wasn't going to do it, but it fits so nicely with your, your space space debris. Nice. Researchers at the Arizona State University suggest the meteorite is made of nickel and iron and that it probably melted in re-entry a little bit, which is why it just kind of looks like a little lump. It doesn't have like the pocked exterior look that you associate with a with an iron core meteor and it says here that meteorites can last for millions of years on mars because the atmosphere does not have any of the oxidizing or weathering effects Mm. that our Mm -hmm. atmosphere does uh neither here nor there that's just a fun little thing since we're talking about space metal 
Uh, how about this? <laughs> Florida releases millions of sterile flies to combat flesh-eating maggots. Which is a uh, 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 disease called invasive myiasis. Jesus. Yeah. What are you doing, Florida? Yeah, it's it's Florida, man. Whatever it did, it it really pissed off God. It and it's not God's not backing down. Actually, it's not myiasis. It's a different breed of fly. My mistake. Jeez, uh, so <laughs> I mean, everybody stop the emails. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's correcting himself. Yeah, <laughs> New World Screw Worm. What? <laughs> How's that for a name? Uh, New World Screwworm? Yes. That's, screwworm. Isn't that like what they called Columbus? <laughs> Zing. <laughs> yeah, so oh, the, wow. the maggots of the screwworm like, will just burrow in and just get in there. Why can't they all be good maggots, like the, the kind that cleaned out Russell Crowe's wound? Even good maggots can turn bad. That's that's invasive myiasis, where maggots stop. De- uh, it's called uh, wound debridement, where they clear away all the dead tissue. Yeah, and in some cases, uh, maggots they don't stop when they run out of dead tissue. Oh, they yeah. get a taste for yeah. that. They keep on trucking. Nature's nanobots. <laughs> so yeah, this screw worm um, has not been seen in the United States for a very long time between 50, uh, 30 and 50 years since they've seen it here, but they think that because of the, uh, the increasing tropical zone, as, as, as things heat up, it's a... It's Jesus. A, yeah, it's a, it's a tropical insect. And so what they're doing is they are releasing all of these uh, sterile uh, flies so that the, when they breed, they just they, the, the females uh, lay functionally just dead eggs. Yeah. And they can, uh, by doing this, they will, uh, if not breed them out entirely, uh, at least extremely, you know, thoroughly decrease the population. They, they do some, some really amazing things with uh, mosquitoes that they've, they're doing trials. And I hope that they start full pilot projects, uh, if they haven't already, where they have uh, species of flies that's, that are second generation sterile. Mm, yeah. So that you get, you actually get even more um, diffusion of the, uh, the the knockout gene because they they get to breed one full cycle and then that then it's the second generation that goes sterile instead of direct sterility, which I think is is brilliant and uh, the best use of evil science. Oh shit! It is myiasis even when it's these other flies. It is myiasis <laughs> after all. Oh, way to go, Dave! Never Google that ever. <laughs> If we can't get them out, we'll breed them out. Oh yeah, prima nocta. Yeah, so that's uh, that's their their big assault on s- new world screwworm. I just like bug <laughs> news. I'm, I'm not yeah. ashamed of that. All right, I have. I've got a. I've got one thing here, and then I've got a list of a uh, short list of fun things. They better be fun. They had better fucking be fun. God help this you. This is uh, from Ancient Origins. Wheel of Giants. Mysterious prehistoric Rujim El-Hiri puzzles archaeologists. This is an unusual megalith near the Sea of Galilee. And it's a, it's a monument comprised of enormous stone circles dating to the early Bronze Age, which uh, nobody knows who 
made it or why uh, spo- it was made. Spoilers, it's some kind of primitive observatory. They, they're always, it, it they're always. up. They are exactly always, with the solstices. Yeah, they are always some sort of primitive observatory. Well, this one may not be. In Arabic, they call it Rujim el-Hiri, uh, which they say means the, uh, the stone heap of the wild cat. And then in Hebrew, it's named Gilgal Rephaim, or the Wheel of Giants. And they refer to it as the stone the Stonehenge of the Levant. And they, they say it's around 5,000 years old, dating it back to about 3,000 to 2,700 BCE. So the Stonehenge is the the thing of Britain, more accurately. Right. Than- they say it's believed to be contemporary with Stonehenge in the UK. And it wasn't until archaeological surveys in the late 60s that they actually saw that it was kind of a bullseye-shaped structure of, of big stones. Between five and nine massive circular rings surround a central burial chamber, the largest ring measuring more than 500 feet wide and reaching three to eight feet high. So they're kind of like little low-lying walls, and uh, not all of them are complete. Some of them are connected with short walls, making spokes in the giant wheel. Is the burial chamber full of cats? There's nothing in the burial chamber, (laughs) actually. This is... um, uh, and, and they actually debate whether or not the burial chamber was made at the time of the original creation of the rings. Hmm. They haven't found very many artifacts at all there, um, but and they, they're testing that to a lot of looting that has gone on. A single chalcolithic pin was uh, seemingly dropped by looters at the site, and it's thought that the central cairn may have once held jewelry and weapons. Excavations of the chambers did not find any artifacts indicating the spaces were not used for storage or living spaces. No radiocarbon dating timelines could be established as no prehistoric organic material was ever recovered from the site. So it's sitting out there near the Sea of Galilee and people don't know what it is or why it's there. Huh. It, It looks pretty cool from the bird's eye view. At least, at least they're not saying it's astrological. At least they're saying it's a burial uh, cairn, you know, like yeah. pretty cool. Now, there is one, one thing in here. It's, uh, it says for the Gilgal Raphaim or the Wheel of Giants, which I said, it says the reference is to a race of giants in the Bible, which they say alludes to one of the many theories as to who built the complex monument. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, just... Uh, just bide our time till Isis gets in there and mows it down. <laughs> oh, God. Womp womp. Uh, but I'll end this on a bit lighter note here for us. I, I collected a few news stories, just real short kind of things that are pretty fun. Eh, yeah. It's a rundown of, of weird news. I'm going to start with a headline, The Dread. A 49-year-old man was partly exonerated by a court in southern Sweden in September when he convinced the judge that he had a severe anxiety attack every time he received an official government letter in the mail, known as window envelopes in Sweden. Thus, though he was guilty of DUI and several other minor traffic offenses while operating his scooter, the judge dropped the charge of driving without a license because the man never opened the string of quote-unquote, frightening letters informing him that operating a scooter requires a license. <laughs> that is from the local in Stockholm. <laughs> I, th- I, I Maybe, uh, 
So, so it, in Sweden, ignorance of the law is a defense. I, I think it might be more to that. I think this might be like a mental anguish issue. Like it was causing him anxiety, so he was able to argue. But that I don't think he got away with DUI and that other stuff. Yeah. Huh. Or, or is it that the, the, the way in which the letters were sent made him want to avoid them or something? It's just the thought of something bad coming from the government yeah. because he knew that it was from the government. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's the same reason I don't I don't like opening my Gmail in the morning because I'm afraid there's going to be things that I, I haven't done or have done wrong or something from my boss. <laughs> is it like? Is it is it like? I mean, I would imagine that the Swedish equivalent of the IRS does not give a. F- if you don't like seeing an IRS letter in the mail, hey, you didn't read it, buddy. I don't care. Give me your kroner. Yeah, I don't. I don't think <laughs> something like kroners. that would not fly over here. Right? Yeah. I mean, because mostly because everyone would be like, "Really? That's how you solve it?" No, I, I just right. didn't know. I didn't right. want to know. I was scared that you were going to call me out. <laughs> the, the willful ignorance defense. Oh Jesus! Don't. Don't even let that cross, because once we get that here, it's over. Society <laughs> stops. Uh, here's the next one. Recent hospital bills. This is coming from the uh, WPTV in West Palm Beach. Oh. Dave. Paula DeMore claimed she deserved a discount from the $7,400 delivery room charge for the April birth of her daughter at Boca Raton, Florida Regional Hospital. Because the baby was actually born in the back seat of her car in the hospital's parking lot. Nurses came out to assist her husband in the final stages, but, said Demore, only the placenta was delivered inside. So they, they slapped her with a $7,400 bill for running out to help her deliver in her car and, and taking her placenta out inside. Mm. And then another one from CTV News in Toronto. In October, new father Ryan Grassley balked at the $39.95 line item charge from Utah Valley Hospital in Provo. I heard Utah, about this. For the mother's holding her new C-section son momentarily to her bare chest, quote unquote, a bonding ritual. Yeah, Doctors well, countered yeah, that. like the skin on skin thing. I think that's what they call yeah. it. Yeah. Doctors countered that C-section mothers are usually drugged and require extra security during that ritual, but that Utah Valley might rethink making the ch- uh, that charge a line item. They might rethink it, Dave. That one's just like a ball kick. <laughs> I had read that. Like, that come on, that, man. That it's actually a pretty common thing. In, in the because I, I I saw that article, and of course that spawns a whole bunch of other articles. And no matter how hard people work. You know, there was like, sometimes there was like registered nurses or were like, well, you know, when we have that, we can't, we, you know, it's not for very long. So we have to keep a nurse on duty. Like none of it ever held a, a lick of sense. Like none of those arguments held water to like charge for no. that. But, right. but right. I mean, it's also the same place that'll, you know, charge you 70 bucks for uh, an Advil. You know, it's. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Be- I, it, because they don't charge people, they charge insurance companies, which then charge people, and that's why no one in the United States is happy with the state of medical health care, or at least the you, pricing. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a swamp of disgusting human ethics and greed right now. But, like, you have a uh, an interesting 
viewpoint on it because you work very closely with someone in the medical industry. I do work closely you, with someone. You, I say <laughs> we get a lot of good work done. Sorry. So housework mostly. <laughs> I meant to say live. So sometimes yard work. <laughs> Some sometimes we have to work on the relationship. You yeah, know, we have to right. sit down and really talk to each other. Us work. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> you live with someone who is uh yeah. living with that shit, right? Well the, the that's the that's the a weird connect is that people and there's a bunch of really good sources of information. A Planet Money did a really great episode about where do the prices in a hospital come from? Sure, it doesn't come from the doctors, but I think that's where people think it starts. Um, sure. Even, even the, the administrators. That's of, the face. Right. It's because that's who sees it, you know, and, and the doctors are, are just as much at the, the beck and call, you know, Kim doesn't say, ah, you got an honest face. I'm going to knock 20% off this for, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. You know, the doctors, the doctor's jobs are to provide the best medical care they can. And they, you know, and they, it is a huge part of medical ethics now. These tests cost money. These things cost money. Do you do things to make people feel good or do you give them the medical care that they require trying to also be cognizant of the cost of those things? You know, when uh, you're a doctor, you know, that's a horrible position to be in because yep. you want to operate from a place of we do anything we think we might need. And you don't want to be in a, in a position of, of, of saying, well, that one's kind of expensive, so maybe we can get away without it. But that's the reality of how things go now. And there's this, this such a like medical, I mean, I used to work for an insurance company and I did billing and there, it's such a labyrinthine system because no one will ever, you'll never find a price sheet. You'll never find anything like that. And there are, there's a, a, a movement in, in the medical community to have established price lists for things. But the weird thing is that no one ever pays those prices. Say you get an appendectomy and you know, it's, everything is so line items, the anesthesiologist, the, um, the actual procedure itself, booking the room, the the recovery, you know, all those little things all get added not, together. Not to mention like the instruments they use. And right. You know, all the medicine those, you need. And, exactly. Yeah. Materials. Just, just yeah, raw materials. Um, and so there's no, you know, there's no menu that says appendectomy, $10,000. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that medical tourism is a very real and very rational thing to do. If you can travel internationally and get good medical care in another country, it'll cost you half of what it does probably less than it does in the United States. But the weird thing that, 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 that really breaks the system is that no one ever pays that $10,000 because uh, your insurance has a pre-negotiated discount rate with that hospital. So while your bill says $10,000, the, the, the insurance company is not paying them $10,000. Right. And first of all, they never pay the full amount. I don't know anybody who has 100% you know, insurance. So, you know, for whatever, however, whatever weird pachinko machine rattles out and at the bottom, there's a, an amount on the bill that you owe. Yeah. After their discount. Exactly. And you're paying. And uh, after your copay and after your deductible. Right. <laughs> after, after all those things. But the, the amount of money that when money comes, when it comes time for money to leave a and enter B to leave the insurance company and go into the bank account of the hospital, the amount that that insurance company pays is not the amounts 
listed on the bill because the insurance company, because you're, that's what, that's what a network does. It's, it's a collective bargaining agreement saying, well, our, our insurance network, we have 5,000 patients. That's a lot of business for your hospital. What's the discount going to be? You know, because we're an insurance company. I don't want to pay full price and I can take all of my patients and take them to some other hospital. And so there's a lot of horse trading and negotiation that goes on there. And so it is just this side of impossible to really tack down how much anything costs in the United States medical uh, healthcare system, which is why no one is satisfied with it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, nope. There are some people that are satisfied. They're called the owners of the insurance company. Right. Yeah, those people, you know, the boards and and the executives. Yeah, it's, do it, man. It's a it's a it's a weird. They're system. taking their yachts <laughs> to the Strait of Fury, <laughs> uh, or the Strait of Helka, the Helka right. Strait, or the Fury Strait, or both. I mean, you're you can afford it. You can afford Rem, it. Remy needs to stretch <laughs> his legs anyway. Remy. All right, couple more here. Oh shit. This one I call Harper's Weekly. Two men in rural Coffee County, Georgia, told sheriff's deputies in November that they had planned to soon attack a science research center in Alaska, a.k.a. Harp, because people's souls were trapped there and needed to be released. Or at least that is what God told Michael Mansell, 30, and James Dryden Jr., 22, causing them to amass a small but quote, something out of a movie arsenal, according to the sheriff. The uh, harp run by the University of Alaska Fairbanks has long been a target of conspiracists in that the study of the Earth's atmosphere, obviously, they say, facilitates mind control snatching souls. That comes from WALB-TV in Albany, well, Georgia. When God tells you, <laughs> you go do. I don't know why they're yep. why are they even questioning it. I mean, somebody needs to send them a a telegram telling them that harp's shut down, buddies. Yep. It is waiting for the, the highest bidder right now, right? Yeah, you can, as far you as can I know. own all those souls. They're just sitting there in the collection grid. <laughs> of course, you need to buy yourself a soul siphon and get them out of the tank and everything. And, you know, <laughs> probably find one on the cheap. Uh, <laughs> one more here for you. How to tell if you've had too much to drink. Ashley Basic, I'm guessing it ends with a C-H. I don't want to, it might be basic, but pretty basic. 49 was arrested in Cheyenne, Wyoming in October and charged with. Sorry, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened to them? Were they arrested? Were they erased? Were they erased? Was arrested in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I like erased. In October. Dad did the whole thing in that accent. Yeah, she was arrested. <laughs> Ashley Basic, 49, was arrested in Cheyenne, Wyoming. In October, and charged with DUI after police found her late at night using an industrial forklift to pick up and move a van she explained was blocking her driveway. Love it. Here's the problems with it. She works for the state forestry department, had commandeered a state-owned vehicle, and she had a cooler of beer in the forklift and was operating it while wearing flip-flops. And the van blocking her driveway was her own. Oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the Wyoming Tribune Eagle. Flip-flop wearer. Flip-flops and forklifts. The David Flores story. <laughs> yeah, right? 
Yep, got that van out of the way. Thank God she taught the owner a lesson. <laughs> right. And she didn't even need to wear full shoes. Cooler beer in there, Dave. <laughs> she came prepared. Damn right. So that's what that's what I got. That's glorious. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, as always, to the Chicago Podcast Cooperative, as well as um, our many excellent friends uh, that we have not uh, that we don't always get the opportunity to to thank properly. For example, uh, Greg Bach. Check him out on a Visitor's Guide to Springfield. Oh, yeah, uh, Dark Mark that's Soloff, our beloved friend of the podcast and Blastro Podcast. Uh, who, what other friends do we have? We have uh, the, the, the Rumor Flies guys down in Louisiana. Flies guys. Those Flies guys. Ryan, Josh, and Greg. Glorious human beings. Howdy, boys. Just feel like shout-outs right now. I don't know. I'm in a shout outs mood. That's yeah, right. keep them going. I, I, I yeah. don't give no food. <laughs> Check out our friend Drunk Satan Robot and his uh, Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos podcast. Yep. Hey, if you like Tumblr, go to our About page on BlurryPhotos.org and check out a bunch of the uh, uh, fan-made Tumblrs that are on there that are great. Yes. We don't mention that nearly enough, and that makes us assholes. Uh, Also, don't forget to check out the uh, Blurry Photos fan page on Facebook. I mean, of course, hang out at Blurry Photos uh, uh, Facebook page. Make sure to like us, and also make sure to- Join uh, the group. Yeah, join the group. Get in there. There are some of the nicest people in the world there. Lots of lots of fun stuff. Yes, uh, Dave from time to time pokes his head in. I do, I do. Sometimes I just just to just to, to rattle the cage and just say, "Hey, I heard you were talking shit," and they were like, "No, we weren't." And I was like, "Oh, as you were then." Okay, bye bye. <laughs> I I feel a little weird liking it myself. I don't know. I I, re- I don't mean to offend any of our uh, wonderful fans by not doing that, but I I, I feel like that's for. Uh, them and and I think you're just the right amount of us to to poke in there and, and like <laughs> have have a little fun and jump out. I feel like I would just be a little I weird. Just, I just loved. I just, so that's why I haven't liked it. I just like dropping a little nudie pic in there every now and again and be like, "Hey, <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter, blurry underscore photos." Yep. We uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, Twitter love that we get, and and uh, thank you to all the friends and and. People we haven't met or talked to but are still fans and like to, to retweet us and stuff. You guys are great. As always, you can get yourself a, a free audiobook from audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Sign up and get a 30-day trial membership. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep it. But you get to keep your book. We get to keep the monetary high five that they send us. And everybody wins. Everybody wins. Three of us in that situation that a, win. That is a, that is a three-way win. That's right. Never thought you'd get one of those, did you? Well, <laughs> you thought that was only possible in college. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Even then, it's a unicorn, Dave. Even. <laughs> Here's the thing you could do: you can go over to Patreon, sign up for for some kind of cool reward. Now, starting at the five dollar level, you can get access to an extra episode a month. Um, it's not quite like what we do with a bullstone or uh, a subject that we cover. But sometimes we do cover a subject. It's might, maybe not as long, but we we have covered the Spidergate Cemetery, uh, more haunted forests. We've done Egyptian mythology. It's a, it's a variety show of fun time uh, uh, Gucci, Gucci goo on there. It's, <laughs> That's a, is it a rock and roll? 
Gucci goo. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rockabilly freak out. Oh, no. <laughs> What's the last thing we did? We did the Raven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we read the Raven, Edgar Allan Poe. So that was fun. Um, but one thing that we have decided to institute, I have put a list of extrasodes on our archives page. Uh, it lists out all the things that we've covered in the month that they have been covered in. And if you would like one of those, if maybe you missed one or you don't want to sign up to Patreon, but you'd still like to have one of those extrasodes or multiple of those extrasodes, uh, here's what we're thinking. Go to our, our donation button and click it. And for each of the extra sodes that you want, donate $5 and write in the notes on the donation the month of the extra sode that you want. So I listed them in the archives page. So let's say you want July's and August's. I think that was maybe Shadow, Shadow People, Black Eyed Kids, and Edgar Allan Poe stories or something like that. Anyway... Let's say you want those. Click the donate button, type in July and August 2016, and then hit us with a $10 donation, and I'll, I will send you a link to those uh, extrasodes. We want people to have the stuff that we create, obviously. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we also want to get paid for it. So um, that's a workaround that we have decided on. But if you would like to sign up to Patreon for $5, you get an extra sode each month. For $8, you get uh, intros. For $10, you get musical intros, plus all that other stuff. The, yeah, the everything below the, the, each level you get, plus, yeah. you know, whatever. Now, here's the deal. For 20 bucks, you get access to our live stream that we do once a month. And Dave and I have decided to live stream getting... <laughs> Trash. Riggedy wrecked son. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. For our, our St. Patty's episode, which is the inaugural launch to uh, the next season. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to see everything that leads to, to a man going into a basement to bang holes in the Titanic? <laughs> we're we're going to have like a two-hour stream of us drinking talking to you guys, getting ready to do to record the episode. And if you sign up in the month of February, you get to uh, participate in the experience that is the live stream Ugh. in that in that following month in March. So we'll you know we'll set dates and stuff when we figure it out. but that is what we've decided to do. It's a special super crazy we don't know if this is gonna work time uh, Gucci Gucci goo. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. What do you think, Dave? I love it. Uh, I mean, I love it now. Every time, here's the thing, is that Flora and I uh, get real nervous about it. Because we've, we've, I mean, I think I've gone the farthest over the edge. But uh, I feel like both of us feel like we've gone farther than we've wanted to when when we do our drinking episode. And as it gets closer, we both get anxiety about it. And then we're like, well, let's just, let's just f-ing get trashed. We know how this goes. And that's <laughs> yeah. what you guys can be there for that. And boy, it's, I think, honestly, I think the journey is as much fun as the destination. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think so. In this case, I think they're both equally man. But the, uh, the, um, the day after the destination is, is not to be f-ed with. Yeah, it it is it is a terrible, 
terrible day. But anyway, you can see what leads to it and all that good stuff. Sign up uh, in February or before if you want to. As long as you pay for February and Patreon, then you'll you'll be able to watch it in March. Yeah, that's you'll be all. fine. Anyway, uh, that is that is Patreon. Also, you know, you know, you guys know. God, this is it's turned into a lot. We've got so much stuff going on, so many people to thank, and so much stuff for us. Yeah, I bet you, bet you, nobody wishing, listens to this. Bet part. you're wishing you hadn't listed all those stories at the end. You blew all the time. <laughs> all the time has got used up. We're we're doing pretty well on time, I think, from from what I can see. But half the episode, dude, is just an ad for blurry photos. That's right. We've got a store, Dave. Didn't, didn't you didn't you steal some mugs? I don't steal them. They're already mine. How how are those working out for you? They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They are awesome. They are awesome. I dig them indeed, as do the people for for whom to whom I gave them, my family. Shirts galore, all all kinds of stuff. Go check out candychat.org. Those ladies always up to to some fun stuff. Shenanigans. And uh that's all I'm gonna uh, do right now. That's that's all I got. Blurryphotos.threadless.com. That's another store. Yep. I that's think all I'm gonna do. Yeah. And that's it. That's just that. And the store and threadless. Yep. And this and this and paddleball it. game. And that's it. That's all you and need. That's it. That's all, that's you all need. I need. And oh, I need this. The I, shirt. Oh, I need this the store. The threadless. The paddleball game and the slam. It, what, that's what, all I need. And and this Michael Winslow. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you got to it. We were doing it at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's why we're brothers. <laughs> we were both reaching for the Winslow joke. Oh sh. Next time on Bullstone. Walmart announces plans to start their 2017 Black Friday sales event on Halloween. Oh, I went down south for to see my Sal singing Pollywally Doodle all the... Bay? <laughs> what to do when your significant other catches you singing in the shower, and why you should still love him, though. <laughs> oh, you caught me slipping. <laughs> All these Pollywally doodling stories and more next time on Bullstone. Hey, bye.